The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. Volume 4, The Medieval World, Episode 60, The Battle of Dannoura. This week's episode takes us to 12th century Japan. The country of Japan is made up from a number of islands. The four largest islands are in close proximity to each other and are easy to recognise as Japan on a map. The largest of all the islands, Honshu, stretches from west to east and then northwards and contains the capital city of Tokyo. To the north of Honshu is the island of Hokkaido. Populations living in the north of Honshu likely migrated north to the island of Hokkaido, bringing Japanese culture to this island. The smallest of the four largest islands is called Shikoku, lying directly south of the western part of Honshu. Finally, to the west of Honshu is the island of Kyushu. And in order to reach the south coast of Honshu if travelling by boat from the Korean peninsula on the Asian mainland, you have to negotiate a narrow strait of water between the islands of Honshu and Kyushu. The narrow strait of water is referred to as the Kanmon Straits and is the site of this week's featured battle, the Battle of Dannoura. The first human migrations to the Japanese islands would have been around 40,000 years ago and if those migrations came from the Korean peninsula then the area of the Kanmon Straits would have been one of the first Japanese locations to have been discovered although the sea levels would have been much lower and the islands were probably linked together. The cultures of Japan developed and supplanted each other and they were likely encouraged by migrations from mainland Asia to the Japanese islands. The most influential cultures of mainland Asia would have been the Chinese cultures. The ancient Jomon culture of hazy origins would have been supplanted by the Yayoi culture, which was undoubtedly influenced by cultures of mainland Asia. Those who travelled across the water from the Korean peninsula would have surely traversed the Kanmon Straits due to their geographical proximity to Korea and their ability to give ease of access to the southern coasts of Honshu and the island of Shikoku. The distribution of Kofun burial mounds, which were prominent from the 4th to the 6th century, can be found on both sides of the Kanmon Straits on the islands of Kyushu and Honshu and then particularly on the south coast of Honshu, where urbanisation was taking place in Japan, and also on the island of Shikoku. This demonstrates that use of the waterways of southern Japan must have been commonplace. 
Once again, the only way to reach these waterways without circumnavigating the entire island of Kyushu is to travel through the Kanmon Straits. And with there being evidence of Kofun mounds in Korea, this strongly suggests that the Kanmon Straits were in use by people associated with the Kofun culture, just simply due to the distribution links. Japan became more centralised during this period with the centralised authority known as the Yamato Kingship. The Yamato Kingship was governed out of the areas of the modern cities of Nara and Osaka. But it does appear that the authority stretched out to cover the west of the island of Honshu, the island of Shikoku and the northernmost areas of the island of Kyushu. So the Yamato Kingship would have firm control over the interior waterways of southern Japan. The Yamato Kingship would evolve to become the centralised state that would turn into modern Japan and its general influence, although somewhat fragmented by the various clans with their various motivations, would grow to encompass the entire islands of Kyushu and Honshu. Minamoto The centralised Japanese state was ruled over by an emperor and was made up of many clans. The clans often originated from a family unit and many of the noble clans would claim descent from a Shinto deity, with Shinto being the name of the religion that originates from the traditional Japanese pagan belief system. The emperor and his family's lives would be state-funded, but traditionally Japanese emperors would look to have many children with multiple wives, and this could create a financial pressure on the central state itself, with there being too many royal family members whose lives needed to be sustained, and this created a problem that required a solution. So it was decided that some of the members of the royal family would have to be removed from the royal family and given the status of a common man and be required to sustain themselves financially with no state assistance. This process is called dynastic shedding. Emperor Saga, traditionally regarded as the 52nd Emperor of Japan who ruled from the year 809, is reported to have had 49 children by over 30 different women. This is a clear example of the problem with the state expected to fund the lives of the 49 children. For the people of Japan, this was unsustainable and unacceptable. His seventh son, Kitabe Daijin, was the first to experience dynastic shedding. He would be removed from the royal succession and a new clan was created for him to belong in. His name would now be Minamoto no Makoto and he would belong to the new Minamoto clan. Other children of Emperor Saga would also be moved into the Minamoto clan and would be expected to live the life of a commoner. It is important to point out that it makes common sense to affirm that all members of the Minamoto clan were not staunchly in support of each other. The Japanese clans would diversify into many families and they could often rival each other and family members themselves would often squabble over their inheritance rights. 
However, the association to a clan could often serve as an ethnic distinction. So there would be times where clan members may stick together in support of their fellow clan members if another clan was showing aggression towards them. The most powerful clan in this period, which was the beginning of the Heian period of Japanese history, was the Hujiwara clan, whose members were starting to control the decisions of the imperial court and acting as the regent to the emperor, reducing the emperor to much more of a ceremonial position. The Minamoto generally had a good relationship with the Fujiwara. Minamoto clan members were created by a number of emperors during the Heian period of Japanese history, and therefore clan members could distinguish their origins from particular emperors, allowing them to refer to themselves distinctly. For example, those Minamoto clan members created by Emperor Saga can be referred to as the Saga Genji, with the word Genji being an alternative name for the Minamoto. Likewise, Minamoto clan members created by future emperors would be referred to as Seiwa Genji, Murakami Genji, and so on. There are said to be 21 branch families of the Minamoto clan. Taira. It would be the 50th emperor of Japan, traditionally speaking, Emperor Kanmu, who would re-establish the Japanese empire at its new capital city, Heian-kyo, safely away from the overzealous Buddhist priests who had an eye on becoming the emperor themselves. The re-establishment of the capital city at Heian-kyo at the end of the 8th century instigated the beginnings of the Heian period of Japanese history. Kanmu was succeeded by his son Heisei and then another son, Saga. Saga was the emperor who created the Minamoto clan as we mentioned earlier. During the same period, other members of the royal family, particularly other grandchildren of the late Emperor Kanmu, were also subject to the same dynastic shedding which created the Minamoto clan. This time, those particular grandchildren were moved into a created subject clan called the Taira clan. In the same way that the Minamoto were alternatively referred to as Genji, so the Taira were referred to as Heishi, and therefore the descendants of Emperor Kanmu, who were removed from the royal line of succession to the throne and into the Taira clan, were referred to as the Kanmu Heishi branch family. The Kanmu Heiji branch of the Taira clan became dominant by establishing fruitful land holdings in the east, especially in the Kanto region, which is where the modern capital city of Tokyo can be found. As with many of the land holdings in Japan, there were always going to be difficulties in defending them against neighbouring invaders, but generally members of the Taira clan would maintain important land holdings and prominent political posts, ensuring that the profile of the Taira clan would be that of one of the most important clans of Japan. The same can be said of the Minamoto clan. One member of the Kanmu Heiji has been immortalised in Japanese history for becoming so powerful 
that it was a genuine concern for the imperial state itself. His name was Taira no Masakado, and in the early 10th century he would acquire so much land that he would begin to stylize himself as an emperor in his own right. The imperial court would put a ransom on his head, and so he was assassinated and decapitated. A shrine for Masakado's decapitated head still exists in Tokyo. Another Taira clan member who saw an opportunity to seize power for himself in the early 11th century was Taira no Taratsune. Taratsune was looking to take control of the lands in the Kanto region by aggressive means and this was not acceptable for the imperial court which was dominated by members of the Fujiwara clan at the time. It would be a member of the Minamoto clan called Yorinobu who would successfully capture Taratsune and prevent his aggressions. The Taira's control of the Kanto region was now considerably weakened. However, this is not to say that Tadatsune represented the Taira clan's position in Japanese politics. Many members of different clans made up the political structure of Japan, with Taira clan members having important roles concerning matters of state. Tadatsune started out as a legitimate provincial governor before going rogue against the political system and attempting to use aggression to obtain lands illegally. With the involvement of Minamoto clan members in the Kanto region, the Taira clan members who lived there were now living subservient to their new Minamoto lords. And this kind of arrangement can exacerbate any underlying tensions between the Taira and the Minamoto in this region. The descent to warfare in Japan was created by a sequence of events that can be possibly traced back to the consortship of Princess Taishi during the 11th century. With members of the Fujiwara clan dominating Japanese politics and the imperial court and emperor himself, it was generally ensured that emperors would marry Fujiwara women so that the new emperors would have a combination of imperial and Fujiwara blood. Princess Taishi was not the daughter of a Fujiwara male and this put her out of favour with the court noble Fujiwara no Yorimichi who wanted his own daughter and her offspring to take precedence at the imperial court and the line of succession. When Princess Taishi's son became the Emperor Gosanjo, he would harbour some anti-Fujiwara sentiments inherited from his mother's experiences, and this would affect the political landscape. Previously dominated by Fujiwara clan members, now there would be more members from other clans such as the Minamoto and the Taira invited to take up strong political roles. The fact that there were now descendants from the emperor who were both pro-Fujiwara and anti-Fujiwara would cause an issue and many highly influential individuals, including retired emperors, were trying to influence the imperial succession. This would create tensions that led to warfare. The dispute had the future of Fujiwara dominance in Japan as one of its core aspects, but it is important to note that this was 
fundamentally a dispute between the current emperor and a former emperor, and that we can see members of the Fujiwara, Minamoto and Taira clans on both sides. Many of the members of the Minamoto and Taira clans were commissioned to represent superior nobles as officers and could be sent to squash rebellions or to defend a cause on behalf of the highest members of the Japanese aristocracy, including top politicians and the imperial court itself. Their responsibilities were so due to them holding a position in the sixth rank of the 12 ranks of imperial bureaucrats created by the Taiho Administrative Code from the turn of the 8th century. Initially, a bureaucratic role of policing and enforcement, it could also require a degree of militancy in order to achieve its objectives. This rank of official was called the Samurai and would play an important role in the future of Japan. For now, during this what is called the Hogen Rebellion, where the former emperor was challenging the current emperor, the samurai were simply commissioned to fight for their respective causes. The current emperor, Goshirakawa, defeated the retired cloistered emperor, Sutoku, and Sutoku was banished. Emperors had been under the control of retired cloistered emperors for the most recent period up until this, the middle of the 12th century, so this would signal a major change in politics. Both Minamoto and Taira samurai clan members would enter the capital city of Heian-kyo as representatives of two major political factions, but now the Minamoto and the Taira would view each other as political enemies. Four years after the conclusion of the Hogen Rebellion in 1156, and tensions mounted up once again. The Insei, or cloistered emperor Goshirakawa, and his son, the actual emperor Nijo, were held captive by Fujiwara no Nobuyori, who was supported by the Minamoto clan. The Insei and the Emperor themselves were supported by the head of the Taira clan, Taira no Kiyomori, who was out of the capital city, Heian-kyo, at the time. When the cunning Taira no Kiyomori returned, he would do battle with Nobuyori and the Minamoto. The Emperor and his father escaped their captivity, and Kiyomori defeated Nobuyori, ensuring that the Taira were the victors, and a lot of Minamoto lands were claimed. This episode of Japanese history is called the Heiji Rebellion, and saw the rise to political prominence of the Taira clan. However, the Minamoto were not just going to let the matter drop. Minamoto no Yoshitane Minamoto no Yoshitane was born during this period of the rebellions. His father was a Minamoto samurai warrior called Minamoto no Yoshitomo, who was active during the rebellions. Yoshitomo would be a supporter of the Emperor Goshirakawa, but Yoshitomo's father, Minamoto no Tameyoshi, would be supporting the Emperor's enemy, the Insei Sutoku. Tameyoshi 
was the head of the Minamoto clan, but he was defeated in the Hogen Rebellion and handed over to his son, Yoshitomo, who proceeded to have his father beheaded, and then took his position at the head of the Minamoto clan. By this time, Yoshitomo had already had eight sons, and Yoshitsune was the ninth-born son in the year 1159. In 1160, the Heiji Rebellion took place. The Taira clan was more powerful than the Minamoto, so the Minamoto rebelled under their clan leader, Yoshitomo. Initially successful when the Taira clan got its act together and attacked the Minamoto, the Minamoto was defeated. Yoshitomo ended up being killed along with some of his sons. Some of Yoshitomo's other sons were spared and exiled in separation from each other. His youngest son, Yoshitsune, was still just a baby and he was taken away from the capital city in the arms of his mother, Tokiwa Gozen, also known to history as Lady Tokiwa. She is often depicted arduously escaping the rebellion through the snow, with the baby protected within her robes. As a child, Yoshitsune would be placed in the care of the monks at the Kuramadera, a temple in the mountains just north of the capital city Heian-kyo, or otherwise known as Kyoto. It would be while at the temple that Yoshitsune would begin to learn the art of swordsmanship. As he grew up, he chose to leave the monastery. It is not completely clear when Yoshitsune met up with his trusted friend, a warrior monk called Saito Musashibo Benkei. Benkei is described as a huge man with a reputation for being a capable swordsman in his own right. Legend tells the story of how he would challenge and take the swords of unworthy samurai warriors in and around Kyoto. But when he encountered and dueled with the young Yoshitsune, it would be Yoshitsune who would come out on top, which led Benkei to become Yoshitsune's faithful retainer. Taira no Tomomori Taira no Tomomori was the son of the military leader Taira no Kiyomori. Tomomori was born just before his father, Kiyomori, became the clan leader of the Taira in 1153, a few years before the rebellions. Kiyomori would stand alongside the Minamoto clan leader, Minamoto no Yoshitomo, in defence of Emperor Goshirakawa during the Hogen Rebellion which is somewhat incredible considering what would happen between the two of them in the aftermath. As we know, the Taira clan achieved the upper hand in their political standing against the Minamoto clan, which would put the two leaders, Kiyomori and Yoshitomo, at odds with each other. Tomomori was around eight years old at the conclusion of the Heiji Rebellion when his clan, the Taira, defeated the Minamoto. We learned that members of the Minamoto clan had to leave the capital city, and so Tomomori's life as a Taira clan child in Kyoto was hugely different to that of Yoshitsune in the monastery in the mountains. Tomomori would go through his teenage years and his twenties being given opportunity after opportunity, 
becoming a provincial governor and rising up through the imperial ranks. Prelude to the Battle Taira no Kiyomori was the successful clan leader both during and after the Heiji Rebellion, which was in the year 1160. In 1168, the six-year-old son of the former emperor, Goshirakawa, was made the 80th traditional emperor of Japan, ruling as Emperor Takakura. It would be the cloistered emperor, Goshirakawa, alongside Taira no Kiyomori, who would actually be the decision-makers as Insei and Regent. Emperor Takakura was just 18 years of age when Kiyomori forced him to abdicate in favour of Takakura's own one-year-old son, who would become the new emperor, Antoku. Takakura's older half-brother, Prince Mochihito, another son of the former emperor Goshirakawa, was highly concerned over Kiyomori's behaviour as the Taira regent and made it clear that he was a supporter of the Minamoto's anti-Taira cause. In return, the Minamoto clan would support Prince Mochihito's claim to the chrysanthemum throne. With Prince Mochihito's highly influential father, the cloistered emperor Goshirakawa, seemingly supporting the cause of his son, Mochihito, Taira no Kiyomori would sense the air of rebellion in Kyoto yet again. With Prince Mochihito being aware of a demand for his arrest, he would attempt to flee, but he was caught and executed. His protector, Minamoto no Yorimasa committed seppuku to avoid capture. Seppuku is a form of ritual suicide which involves the individual performing harakiri, disemboweling themselves with a short blade. Traditionally thought of as an honourable way for a samurai to commit suicide, this may be the earliest known instance of seppuku in Japanese history. By now, the Minamoto clan members had been awakened to events in the capital and were drawn to take down the Taira clan. The call to arms of Prince Mochihito would symbolise the beginning of the Genpei War. The Minamoto clan leader during the Heiji Rebellion, now 20 years earlier, was Minamoto no Yoshitomo. Yoshitomo was assassinated after the failed rebellion and it would be his exiled adolescent son, Minamoto Yoritomo, who would become the new clan leader. Twenty years later, and Yoritomo would answer the call to arms of Prince Mochihito, and despite Mochihito now being dead, Yoritomo would now have a desire to forcibly overthrow the Taira clan. In the early stages of the Genpei War, the Taira clan had the measure of the Minamoto being equal to their rebellion. A period of famine interrupted the relentless warfare between the two clans until the year 1183. The famine depleted the amount of soldiers available to the Taira, but the Taira felt that an attack was worth the risk, so they marched east out of Kyoto to meet the Minamoto in battle. 
The Minamoto were incredibly cunning at the resulting Battle of Kurikara, where they outwitted the Taira army, causing them to flee. The Minamoto army commander at Kurikara was Minamoto no Yoshinaka, a cousin of the clan leader Yoritomo. Yoshinaka and Yoritomo had had differences with each other in the past, but understood the value of uniting against the Taira. When Yoshinaka defeated the Taira at Kurikara, he would start to have ambitions of marching on Kyoto, defeating the Taira and showing himself to be the true leader of the Minamoto clan. The rebel Minamoto commander Yoshinaka marched on the Japanese capital Kyoto and the Taira clan fled the city, taking the young emperor and Toku with them. It was after taking control of Kyoto that Yoritomo would learn of Yoshinaka's true ambitions and he would send another of his own cousins, Minamoto no Yoshitsune, to deal with him. Yoshitsune was the child rescued from Kyoto by his mother, Lady Tokiwa, during the Heiji Rebellion. Now Yoshitsune was a highly trained samurai warrior ready to do battle and he would defeat Yoshinaka, leader of the Minamoto clan rebels, at the Battle of Awazu in early 1184. Yoshinaka was struck by an arrow while on horseback, and subsequently lost his life. It was a great victory for Yoshitsune. Yoshitsune would then look to capitalise on his strong position, and pursued the retreating Taira clan westwards. Yoshitsune was supported at the Battle of Ichinotani by his closest confidant, the warrior monk Benkei, and his older brother Minamoto no Noriyori, where they were able to defeat a Taira army, driving them out of one of their fortresses, killing a number of important Taira military leaders and driving the Taira even further west. The Minamoto would even pursue the fleeing Taira and attack them while they were in retreat. This is because they knew that if they allowed the Taira clan to regroup, then they would be in a better position to avenge their recent defeats. Even after the battle, the Minamoto planned quickly to attack Taira fortresses in the west to try to extinguish them for good. One of the key fortresses was at Yashima, across the sea, just off the coast of the island of Shikoku. This would create a new challenge for the Minamoto, who were struggling to cross the sea, with many of their fleet being damaged. So Yoshitsune managed to fool the Taira into believing that Minamoto land forces were approaching from the south, in order to make them take to their ships and sail off westwards, while the Minamoto actually observed them from their own ships. With all of these defeats, some of them rather embarrassing, the Taira were definitely on the back foot, both militarily and by morale. When the Taira clan leader Kiyomori died in 1181, his son Munemori would take over as the clan leader, and Munemori would be ably assisted by his younger brother Tomomori. Tomomori, as we have already learned, 
had the benefit of a noble upbringing in Kyoto, but now he was fighting for his clan and his life. Tomomori's reputation was good. He was the one who successfully apprehended the fleeing Prince Mochihito at the very start of the Genpei War. In the early years of the war, Tomomori was a major player in some of the early successes of the Taira against the Minamoto. Even while the Taira were in retreat, Tomomori was still gallantly defending Taira fortresses with a good level of success. Before the Minamoto were able to successfully chase the Taira away from the fortress at Yashima, they had failed in a previous attempt to cross thanks to the cunning measures of Tomomori and his allies at the Battle of Mizushima, where the Minamoto army was routed. It would be essential to ensure that Tomomori's talents were available should there be another showdown. The Battle of Dannoura In the month following the Taira defeat at Yashima, the Taira fleet was now in the region of the Gammon Straits in the far west, the gateway between the inland seas of Japan and the open waters of the Korea Strait. The Minamoto fleet, commanded by Yoshitsune, sailed towards the narrow Gammon Straits in a long and wide line designed to block the Taira into the strait itself. Due to the narrowness of the strait, there was a strong rip tide which made navigation more challenging. So Taira no Tomomori understood this and separated his fleet into three squadrons in order to attempt to surround the Minamoto fleet. The Taira clan brought the young emperor Antoku to the battle in his full royal regalia to legitimise the Taira cause and help to rally the Taira troops. With the riptide accelerating the Taira ships towards the Minamoto line, the Taira would start the day with an explosion of arrows. With the tide behind them, the Taira would attempt to encircle the Minamoto fleet. The Minamoto was somewhat helpless, with the aggressive rip tide preventing any kind of competent manoeuvrability. The Taira would use grappling hooks to link up with the helpless ships on the Minamoto flanks in order to engage them in close quarters combat. Things were going the way of the Taira clan. Late in the morning, nature would decide to change its favour. As the tide began to weaken, the Minamoto fleet now had an opportunity to gain some sort of advantage. Yoshitsune saw this as his prime opportunity to launch a counter-attack. The Minamoto were still under intense pressure though and they would require another piece of good fortune. One of the commanders among the Taira was a man called Taguchi Shigeyoshi and the Minamoto were holding his son as a hostage. Shigeyoshi was the head of a family clan from the island of Shikoku. Whether it be because the Minamoto were holding Shigeyoshi's son as a hostage, or because the tide was turning against the Taira both figuratively and literally, or a combination of these factors, Shigeyoshi 
decided to slip his ship back from the Taira line, leaving a gap in the line for the Minamoto to exploit. And he also chose to attack the Taira from the rear. This was a considerable defection. Further to this, Shigeyoshi had knowledge of the ship that contained the young Emperor Antoku and was only too happy to direct Yoshitsune to its location. The Minamoto fleet started to attack the Taira fleet successfully and by the afternoon the Taira fleet was in disarray. While Minamoto archers started raining arrows down on the Emperor's ship, the Taira commanders realised that their cause was now futile, and rather than be captured or shamed by defeat, they would take what was believed to be the honourable action and started to commit suicide. Considerable among the Taira suicides were the actions of one Taira no Tokiko, who was the mother of the clan leader Munemori. She was also the grandmother of the Emperor Antoku, who was in her care. When it became clear that Yoshitsune was going to capture the Emperor's ship to prevent the child Emperor from being captured, she would commit suicide by leaping into the sea, and she would take the Emperor, her grandson, with her. They would both drown together on that fateful day. The highly respected Taira warrior who had enjoyed so much success during the Genpei War, Taira no Tomomori, would tie an anchor to his feet and would also launch himself into the sea. Aftermath The Taira bid for control of Japan was over as the Minamoto emerged from exile to become the victors. The Genpei War was now over, now that the Battle of Dannaura had concluded with destruction of the Taira fleet. The Minamoto, under the commander of Yoshitsune, captured the Taira clan leader, Munemori, and would soon execute him. The Minamoto leader, Yoritomo, would establish a new style of samurai leadership of the nation, that would take the country of Japan in a new direction going forward. Yoritomo would stylize himself as the first shogun of the country, the head of a feudal military government or shogunate of Japan. There would of course still be a ceremonial emperor in line with Japanese tradition. One would have thought that in the direct aftermath of the Battle of Dannaura, that the samurai military general, Yoritomo's younger brother, Yoshitsune, would have been proclaimed as a Minamoto hero for his successes in battle against the Taira. However, as we have seen in history, sometimes when a military general is too successful, it can have a negative effect on his future, as his popularity would become a dangerous thing. His older brother, the clan leader and future shogun, Yoritomo, became jealous of the success of Yoshitsune and suspicious about his growing power and influence. Yoritomo would block the granting of titles to Yoshitsune and this would put the two brothers at odds with each other. 
Yoshitsune fled from Kyoto with his faithful warrior monk retainer Benkei, and they remained in hiding for four years, until their whereabouts were given to Yoritomo by a man who betrayed them. Yoritomo sent a number of men to capture Yoshitsune, but when they arrived at the residence, Yoshitsune retired to the inner core of the residence to commit seppuku, while Benkei stood on his own blockading the entrance. Legend states that Benkei struck down each warrior who approached him, so Yoritomo's men decided to fire arrows at Benkei. Benkei remained on his feet while being struck by arrows to the disbelief of the archers. However, when the warriors approached Benkei again, they soon discovered that he was actually dead and that he had amazingly died on his feet. Yoshitsune's decapitated head was sent back to Yoritomo. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the History of the World podcast on the Battle of Dannaura. And um, thank you for your patience in waiting for this episode. Um, the episode itself, well, I hope you was able to keep up with the story. There's a lot of similar names of characters in there, a lot of characters, a lot going on in the Genpei War, especially with the Minamoto uh, clan uh, fragmenting that that had to be mentioned as well so it's quite a complex series of events but a fascinating story nonetheless so I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you was able to keep up with the story anyway um, just to carry on if you enjoy listening to this podcast and you would like to support the podcast then visit our website um, click on the patreon link and there you can sign up to make a monthly contribution to the podcast. You will become a lifelong member of the History of the World podcast, the Illuminati, and you will qualify for gifts and rewards and opportunities. So uh, go along and have a look and see what you can earn. This week, um, we welcome into the History of the World podcast, Illuminati, Gabriel Cunningham, Andreas Hausler, Santosh Nabar, and Gerald Philippe. So thank you all so much for coming along and supporting the podcast. Now, if you'd like to access bonus material and you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, then you can subscribe to the, the uh, podcast on Spotify. So just go along there. There's a, a link in the podcast description. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, then drop me a line at historyoftheworldpodcast at mail.com and I'll be pleased to read your messages out. Listener messages and reviews. Now, of course, every time I make an episode that's uh, associated with Far Eastern or Southeast Asian cultures... Um, I find myself com always apologising for my uh, pronunciation of words, and uh, this is this is a lot to do with the tonality. Sometimes, I, I mean, I get tongue-tied. Uh, as as I just proved there, I get tongue-tied quite easily, and um, I'm often re-recording sections of the podcast because I, I trip over my tongue so often, and. Um, 
especially with some some of the the Japanese pronunciation, very tricky when it's not your native tongue, and I, so I found that quite difficult. But uh, Nico Share and Mouse, who is one of our patrons, has commented and said, "Chris's pronun Chris." pronunciations are always extremely difficult what you do is amazing in bringing us the history and information it's so much knowledge to put into an hour of a podcast all i can say is thank you so much for bringing history to life please excuse the spelling errors the mouse who is a chiwini sends her best regards your voice and dialect is truly relaxing to this little female dog blessings always nico and the mouse so uh, it sounds like the mouse um, is completely indifferent to uh, my accent. Um, Luciano Trevino, um, who mentioned um, about um, the history of America and and how um, how he, he mentioned, I don't know if you remember from last week, he just mentioned about the resources of views of, of American history and how we may not be doing it enough justice because we're, we're sticking by the textbooks and not really exploring the oral history that's passed down over the generations. But, um, Luciano wrote in again and said, um, uh, like after I, I replied to him, but thank you for your response and sincerity. It is not easy to find history of the pre-Columbian Americas which is not something I fault you for. I wholeheartedly believe that you do your best. You wouldn't be able to learn about history from such an amazing podcast if you didn't. The Americas survive on oral history, and I guess I would love more dedication towards Native American stories passed down from generation to generation. While a moving boulder by deities isn't much of a factual part of American history, it still is an American history and philosophy again you are amazing chris and thank you for your devotion towards this passion best luciano yes i believe that the the story of uh the the boulder in um the the oak the um the oak um boulder the oak um glacial erratic um it's just a huge boulder that's been left in the middle of the landscape by uh, by glacial movements from the ice age, and um, and, it, and there was a legend associated with with this big rock um, flying across the landscape or rolling across the landscape, and uh, I think it was one of the highlights of Volume One from way back five years ago when we spoke of it. So um, yes, these stories have certainly got a place in the podcast. There's no doubt about it. I think. Um, also, if I'm not mistaken, if if you just bear with me, you, you made a suggestion, Luciano, saying that a people's history of the United States by Howard Zinn uh, is uh, or has been a great read for you. So uh, maybe that's one to look out for. Certainly, I've got a book called A People's History of the World by Chris Harmon, which gives a completely different perspective on world history. And sometimes I'll refer to that. But um, of course... Um, um any resources are, are worth uh looking into especially if they give you a different angle on history they can uh, they can really help to enhance the roundedness of the information within the podcast and uh if you're interested in some of the sources that I've been using in the history of the world podcast episodes such as this one that you heard today um i do um publish a exclusive episode 
which you can uh, access by becoming a subscriber on Spotify. And then uh, a week after the uh, it's been published on Spotify, we also post it on the Patreon feed for those of you who contribute towards Patreon. So if you want to find out a bit more about what went into making this episode today, there's a 10-minute episode that you can access uh, exclusively for subscribers and patrons. So uh, consider signing up and listening to that. Um, anyway, that's it for this week. Um, next week, uh, we continue the story of Japanese history. So we find out what happened afterwards and these new shogunates, um, governments or, or or rulers of Japan and what, what happened then. The, the legend of the samurai uh, warriors and um, and politicians so we'll find out a lot more about that in the next couple of episodes so be sure to join me and um, until next time thanks for listening and be good the history of the world podcast written and presented by chris hasler please consider making a financial contribution by going to the History of the World Podcast.com website and clicking on the Patreon link. Email the show at History of the World Podcast at mail.com. And don't forget to join our social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. See you next time.